You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Happy Monday. This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear hotline. Responsibly, it's another power hour for you. So you raise your glass for the next hour. We're going to get you caught up on everything that you need to know from the world of sports and get you ready, obviously, for tonight's home run derby. That's all coming up. But, Sarah, we got to start with the rarity, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I get to say I was right. Like, it is rare that I wow. do this, so I am such a child when it happens. You know, the last time we worked together, I said I thought Phoenix would go up 2 nothing, and then Milwaukee would win the next two games in Milwaukee. So far, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I mean, You're the, the Bucks get the big win. I feel like I'm not, I'm not ready to flaunt it yet, but so far, I feel pretty good about the way my parlay's working out. I feel pretty good about it, too, Fitz, and, it, and we were talking about it on Around the Horn, and Everyone was saying, does this feel the same as when they started off poorly against the Nets and came back to win? And I said it can't because we now have the hindsight of looking at that Nets series. And the problem is, as always, and you know, I've been harping on this. After being in the industry as long as I have now, we are constantly swung by the emotions of the day. And so we are incapable of putting ourselves back into larger perspective of what we've seen before. And so oh, but the Suns team is different. They can just give you so much. Well, the Nets beat them by like 47 points in the first game of that series. It felt over then too. So I was pretty confident in all the changes that happen when a team gets back home. One of the big ones being how the game is called. And we saw it get called in a way that very much benefited the Bucs. I'm not saying it's intentional or even something that the officials are aware of. It might even just be the style of play that a team plays when they get themselves back in their own building. But it made a big difference. Yeah, and to that end, by the way, I think you know, part of it is obviously every officiating crew is different. That's going to be a little bit of it. But there's also a difference when you're playing at home. I think there's just a difference to the aggressiveness that you play with. There's a difference with the way that you attack, which is something we've been talking a lot about over the course of the last week for the Bucks. Can they come out and attack? But the other thing that we've all talked about are the ancillary pieces. Because as much as we want to make this series about Giannis Antetokounmpo and what he can do for the Bucks, their first two losses were as much about the failings of some of the other players around Giannis. And for some analysis on where it went different this time, let's get to some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. That comes from ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler, who said this on SportsCenter with SVP about the pieces around Giannis. Chris Middleton got off in the first half. It was critical that he do that. Giannis, you know, had another great game, put up big numbers, had a good first half. But to see his co-star alongside of him rolling and in rhythm gave the Bucks a tremendous boost. Bobby Portis was great off the bench. I always talk about where's this supplemental unexpected offense going to come from. You don't know on a given night, but somebody usually gives it to you mm-hmm. in a playoff win. Right. Bobby Portis was huge in the first half. Then you go now to the second half. DeAndre Ayton picks up his fourth foul early in the third quarter. Suns go small. You know, that depleted front line with no Sarich, it really tonight came to the fore because they have nowhere else to go. They went zone. They're playing five guards basically most of that quarter. And for a while they hung in there because the Bucks were adjusting to guarding five guards and the Suns were scoring. Eventually, though, it was just a consistent offensive rebounding barrage and then three-point shooting. Suns trying to protect the lane, packed in a little bit. Drew Holiday gets going. So all of those things happened for the Bucks tonight. Middleton played well. Holiday played well. The lineup change dramatically affected this game in the second half with that small lineup by the Suns. There's just no way you can keep up with a team that's got Giannis Antetokounmpo on it with five guards. That's straight talk, straight talk, wireless, everything for less, only at Walmart coming from legs. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, and Sarah, it just felt like everything sort of went right 
for the game plan and everything went right for the Bucks in general as Giannis was obviously a force in the paint. But then the guys around him were hitting shots. And I know that's an oversimplification, but that's what has to happen that frankly just simply didn't happen in the first two games. 100%. You get five guys in double figures. You get the, the, the 20 and the 18 from Middleton and Holiday. Giannis does what he did, plus 40 again. We'll get some funny sound from him on that in a second. But what we talked about last week, Fitz, was if you are going to be facing a team like the Suns whose guard play can crush you, you have to assert yourself physically as a big team. And what they did, if it was intentional, getting Aiton in foul trouble is brilliant. Because as he mentioned, Sarge is out. This team is not big enough to deal with the length of the Bucks. The way they get around that is really smart Offensive ball movement, step back Jays, pick and rolls. You need to still remember, though, that Chris Paul is 36 and 6 feet tall, if that. You need to still remember that you have the Greek freak on your team and Lopez, who despite being liability those pick and rolls, is a great rim protector, can be really good offensively in the paint. You have a lot of weapons that in the first two games, it just wasn't working the, the Bucks' way, in part because... They need to get those two guys to show up and put a lot on their shoulders and not depend on Giannis. And as much as we saw Giannis be great, those guys also showed up. That's a tough matchup for the Suns. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. We're already getting, Sarah, a little bit of posturing from Monty Williams, and this happens uh, constantly, as he's not happy about the fact that Giannis had more free throws than the entire Suns team combined. But what's interesting, and I'll credit our stats and info group for this last night, they pointed out this is actually the second straight game that occurred. So Giannis is the second player to record more free throw attempts than the entire opposing team Mm -hmm. combined twice in the NBA Finals. We didn't hear about it after Game 2 because, frankly, it wasn't a part of the narrative of the the game but it certainly was a part of the narrative after last night as all eyes are on Giannis this is what he said after the game uh, in in a little bit of disbelief realizing that he's in the company of one Michael Jordan I'm not I'm not, I'm not Michael Jordan four 40 points in a straight two four in a row yeah I've never, uh, no I'm not Michael Jordan but you know all I care about right now it's getting one more that's all you know just uh, take care of business doing our job yeah well He's not in the company. He's walking towards the party because he's only got a pair and Jordan had four straight. So he's <laughs> he's got a chance. But as he said, you know, don't put that expectation out there for me. That's a lot. Um, I like the sound, though, and I like that he just puts it right out there. Hey, let's just stop it right here. Nothing, nothing good is accomplished when you start comparing people to Michael Jordan. Um, I'm interested to see how the next game goes, Fitz, because... You do, without any surprise here, have complaints about the officiating in this one the same way that there were complaints after the first couple games when we saw the Suns getting to the line a lot more. Will that be leveled out? Again, perhaps even subconsciously, or will the officials react to Monty Williams saying we had fewer free throws than than Giannis? Um, Or is the style of play going to be dictated by that the same way it was with, with Aiton? Um, I imagine he will be extra careful in the next game not to let the same fate hit him. So um, I'm just glad it looks like it'll be a series. Well, a a thousand percent. And again, we're looking at just the numbers of impressiveness from Giannis. I do think it's key to know that he shot 95.7% field goal shooting in the restricted area tied for the highest field goal percentage in that restricted era over any two-game span over the last 25 seasons. So when you talk about what the, the Bucks have done well over the last couple of games, frankly, but what really 
transcended for them in game three. It's the very thing that you've mentioned several times they need to do. They came out and said, okay, if we're going to put this lineup on the floor and if we're going to be be big, we're going to be aggressive while we do it. And that's such a simple key, but it's the biggest difference I think we could all feel from the outset of game three. It was a different aggressiveness level from Milwaukee from the outset, and I think that's what carried them to the victory. I think, frankly, the Deer District has the opportunity to do that again in game four. And you're right, this is a series. Spain and Fitz brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. All right, since I told you it's power hour, we got a lot to get to, so we're going to do it the way only we can. We'll do it classy. Quickies next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's like a speed round of Spain and Fitz tonight. Power hour, as it were, as we've got you one hour tonight, uh, all the way up to get you ready for the Home Run Derby taking place tonight. Uh, All eyes will be uh, on Coors Field out in uh, Denver as we get ready for that. But in the meantime, Sarah, we've got a lot of other things we're going to get to in the course of the sports world. And uh, in order to do that, we'll do that the way only we know how. We're going to do that with some quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. All right, we got a lot to get to, including some updates on the Home Run Derby, and we'll do that in just a minute. But we're going to start with a little bit of soccer action, Sarah, as UEFA Finals uh, gave us a absolute, yeah, football, uh, gave us an absolute incredible match. Now, I'm curious for you as an owner in the NWSL, where you are on penalty kicks ending a match like this, because as a non-soccer diehard, I freaking loved that it came down to that at the end. I thought it was absolute magic. What did you think? So I was half watching because I was indeed at my own team's game. We were tailgating. It was a blast. That's why I sound like this right now. Uh, So I was half watching. People were on their phones during our little tailgate watching the end. It is incredible drama. And I'm still sort of torn on hockey or soccer ending with something that is not representative of the full game in itself. And I think especially for something like this game, I would be up for more, I, I guess it wouldn't be called stoppage time, it would be an overtime session before penalty kicks, but with something like hockey and soccer, there is not a guarantee that you will have a goal and you could play for a long time and it could get uglier and uglier and less fun to watch the more tired they got. So I'm okay with it eventually. Well, one thing that got ugly was the treatment of fans to some of the athletes afterwards as, uh, unfortunately, the worst-case scenario uh, is the massive amount of harassment that happened almost immediately after the match from some of the fans uh, of England to some of the players involved in the match. And, Sarah, it's one of the gross, disgusting parts of soccer culture that, mm-hmm. you know, we talk to Taylor Twelman about this all the time. It, it has to be eradicated from the overall culture of the sport. And when you see it in moments like this, it just it, it feels gross and it overshadows something that should have been magical. Yeah, and it's not even a soccer problem, right? It was just so predictable that three black English soccer players missing their PKs in the shootout would receive harassment. I I said it as I watched it. I said, it's just unfortunate that that I know exactly what's going to happen to these guys now. Um, There's police investigations into it. The fact that it was predictable and we all saw it coming doesn't make it any less horrific. It's not about social media. It's not even about soccer. It's just about humanity and our deeply flawed selves across the world, not our country, not that country, every country uh, where people need to find someone to place below them in order to feel powerful. And that comes across racial and ethnic lines and 
it's just it's really sad and I did retweet um one of those three players making a statement today that was incredibly brave and and strong in the face of all of it and so I would urge people to go read Marcus Rashford it's at Marcus Rashford what he had to say afterwards it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Let's move on to the next story. Quickies. All right. We've got a little bit of MMA action here. Uh, all eyes were going to be on Conor McGregor as we had McGregor Poirier uh, three. And unfortunately for a lot of people that were excited for the fight, they didn't get much time into this. And it's really uh, when that happens because of some sort of massive knockout, that's one thing. Uh, but this was a just a gruesome injury for Conor McGregor. Uh, his leg looked awful. He tried to continue. Mm. It was an official stoppage. The the, the official came, came in and said, absolutely not. There was no way they were going to let him keep fighting. So uh, just a gross moment. McGregor went into surgery afterwards. And uh, obviously uh, the hope for UFC is that he can heal up and we can get this matchup again. But it feels to me, Sarah, like some of the shine around Conor McGregor just continues to dull as we look at these moments where he either doesn't fight well or injury, which is not his fault. No, any way you want to look at it, it just becomes less and less of a story if he doesn't get in there at some point and kick somebody's butt. Yeah, he's had surgery already on the broken leg. Uh, it was disgusting. I tried to avoid watching it, and then I was scrolling through an IG story and saw the screen grab and about barfed. Um, there's a number of things at play here. One is the fact that, again, I bring this up every time, this is someone who has so many different instances of criminal behaviors and accusations, and yet has never really missed any significant time. He just claims to retire and then comes back, right? Um, right now, he's not currently saying he's retired, but it, it could come back at any moment. Uh, he might use it to get out of another criminal act or just do it and then change his mind to get publicity around a return. It's exhausting at this point, but so is this sport in general and the way the fans are willing to endorse bad behaviors and bad people and operations in bad faith by continuing to spend. And so he's going to continue to be the highlight of it. Even if there are better, you know, athletes that are more at their peak, they just don't sell it the same way. And that's what this sport has a lot of it. Not all of it has turned to is who's got the biggest amount that can sell it. We saw that with the fact that Mayweather and whichever Paul that was managed to get as many clicks and and watches as they did. Um, So much of it is now just about the spectacle. Let's move on to the next story quickies and this one comes in the form of a little bit of a olympic uh, olympic warm-up here a little appetizer usa basketball <laughs> opened up over the weekend but didn't get the result that they expected nigeria beats team usa 90 to 87 on saturday night international shocker everybody stunned but if you need a message of relax it didn't come from aaron Rodgers this time it came from game day on espn radio host jordan Cornette with this little nugget of history But for those who don't quite know the history, know this. That dream team in an exhibition, a scrimmage, that was behind closed doors, unlike this one, a scrimmage with college all-stars from America. The 92 dream team, best team ever assembled in any sport, got rolled by these college all-stars. Got rolled by them. But you know what that dream team did when they played them immediately after an hour later? Beat the brakes off of them. And every other team that came in front of them in those Olympics, the trials, and in the competition. Yeah, Sarah, I think mm-hmm. history won't remember this outcome as long as Team USA does what we expect at the Olympics. Yeah, completely agree. And it's always some good perspective to have. Uh, these are warm-ups for a reason. They don't count. All right, next up on the story list. Quickies. And it comes from the the uh, little bit of Shohei here. Remember, this is what we're expecting to see when it comes to home run derby time. 
Oh, got oh. it, got it, got it! 33! Oh, wow. Where did that one go? Come on. Did you see Justin Upton? <laughs> he had his hands on his head, Macaulay Culkin style, from home alone. Like, I can't believe what I just saw. Oh, man. 463 feet. Get ready, Denver. Get ready, home run derby. That's oh, right. Valley Sports on the call. That's good work by them. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, that was from the intro to ESPN Daily today, and I just love that call because looking ahead, we all know there's a lot of great stories. Trey Mancini is a fantastic story. It would be so cool to see him win. You know, you've got some really exciting names. you got, you know, Pete Alonzo out there again. Lots of fun, but we're all in it for Shohei, right? But maybe Trey Mancini too, but that those are the two. And everybody else, I'm like, all right, all right, let's keep it moving. I want to see Shohei crush. So it, it does bring up a question that's obviously often discussed, but Shohei has become the biggest thing in all of sports. Sarah, does, uh, does it bother you at all that uh, Shohei, I shouldn't say bother you, is it a challenge for Major League Baseball in your mind that Shohei is the biggest thing to happen to Major League Baseball? But obviously there are some barriers in the way he communicates and he's you know comes from a different background. Yeah, this has been a big topic of conversation today. And I think my friend Kavitha, who used to work with us here at ESPN, said it very well because in order to have this conversation around baseball, you have to understand the context around foreign-born players and bilingual players. And she, she said, we've gone from MLB denying players access to interpreters to condemning once-in-a-lifetime players for using interpreters to avoid being misconstrued by the same media condemning them. Any take on Shohei Otani concluding he's anything but great for baseball is just uninformed. Also, as Americans, we are decidedly made fun of in the rest of the world for not being multilingual. It makes us seem uneducated and incurious, if not isolationist. We clutch at the English language to our own detriment. I agree with all of that. We've seen this a lot with Latin players as well. It's complicated enough to come out here and crush and to do it in another language and to be able to do it and to keep up with coaches and teammates is incredibly impressive. He's a global phenom. He is great for the sport. Yeah, everything you just said, I echo. And uh, I'll just say what she said and put an arrow on my chest. Uh, well stated by you. And uh, obviously lots of support there. Coming up, we'll talk to a first-time Olympian. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz hanging out on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and, of course, Sirius XM Channel 80. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. We got a power hour of Spain and Fitz tonight, taking you into the home run derby. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget to tune in to my That's What She Said podcast. It's hosted by yours truly, and it's fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. Angela Ruggiero, tomorrow, awesome conversation about the fan project. Check it out. Spain and Fitz brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Joining us now, professional skateboarder, first-time Olympian, Mariah Duran. She's teaming up with Always to encourage everyone to help girls stay in sports. Because as we, many of us know, nearly half of girls drop out of sports during puberty. This is something I've done a lot of work on, too. So, Mariah, I love that you're getting involved with the cause um, let's talk about these Olympics. No fans because of COVID. Um, are you concerned at all about going to Tokyo, or are you just overwhelmed with excitement? I mean, you can't control everything. Um, I'm super excited, just at least that it's happening. You know, after last year, it was kind of postponed. Um, this year, it allows me to kind of kick more 
in and zone in on just the whole journey here. So I'm super excited to be able to skate in Tokyo. So I'm just, you know, I'm stoked to be here. It's the first time ever for skateboarding. What's it mean for skateboarding to, to finally get this level of platform? Um, I think it's definitely going to grow the sport. Um, I'm excited. I feel like skateboarding is just such a rad thing in general. And for it to be broadcasted on one of like the highest uh, platforms, like the Olympics is only going to grow the skateboard scene even more and kind of just give it the shine it really deserves for sure. Cause skateboarding is just, you know, it's definitely an elite sport, but it's also just such a really cool culture to be a part of as well. Mariah Duran, professional skateboarder, Olympic skateboarders with us. I like your use of the word rad. I use it a lot and uh, people sometimes make fun of me for it. And I think rad is a rad word and we should all be using it more. Um, your family did some fundraisers to help you compete early on. And I know, you know, you played three different varsity sports in your senior year. You quit all of them to focus on skateboarding. At first, your family was like, what are you doing? At how, how quickly did they get on board and, and start doing these fundraisers and helping you compete? Um, I mean, they definitely just saw that I was driven for it. Um, it was kind of when I was getting invited to, like, X Games and and these bigger contests like Street League, I was like kind of getting invited as an alternate. I wasn't even really in the contest that we were really fundraising for, but they thought they saw it as an opportunity. Like, hey, when is my daughter ever gonna almost skate in X Games? So we gotta support her, do whatever it <laughs> takes. And uh, by them doing that, I was able to actually be in the contest. You know, of course, win a few of them. And you know, ever since then, they just hopped on board. They saw that I was really passionate about it, and you know, they just they're just on the ride with me. So one thing you've said you're excited about for new skateboarding fans to see is the camaraderie, even between opponents. Tell us about a little bit about that. Um, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, like skateboarding is so rad that I've a lot of the people that, you know, I'm skating against or, you know, are from different countries or whatever, but, you know, I've known them before the Olympics was even in the conversation and um, just being able to be, on like a friend's basis with like a lot of the people we're, I'm competing against. It's just really cool. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, it's like me versus myself. Like I can't, you know, have any success if I don't land the tricks I'm, I'm trying, you know? So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just me versus myself and I want the best for everybody. Of course, of course, everybody wants to win. Um, and I'm just excited just to even, you know, be skating with a lot of the friends, being a part of the USA team with, you know, of course, uh, my friends from the USA, but I also have friends from Brazil and, you know, Canada and, you know, so it's really cool to see like skateboarding come together um, and just be on this platform. Mariah Duran is with us here on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, professional skateboarder headed to her first Olympics and the first Olympics for the sport in Tokyo. Um, you got friends all over, it sounds like, but you won't be seeing anyone from New Mexico in Tokyo. You're the only athlete from your state going. So do we have any ideas, special ways to represent the state or give it a shout out? Um, I mean, yeah, just I'm just hyped to represent New Mexico. Shout out New Mexico. Just win, um, I guess, sure. right? That's how you're going to represent <laughs> it. Just win a gold medal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that I've gone this far, you know, coming from New Mexico is mind-blowing. I mean, even me sitting down with, with my 10-year-old self would have never thought I'd be having this conversation. Like, yeah, you're about to go to Tokyo to skate in the Olympics. When, like, my 10-year-old self is just like, I'm just trying to learn how to how to do a trick in the front yard, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
being able to just be like just you know come from where I came from like and just represent the idea like the fact that I've gone this far is just mind-blowing in general and a lot of my friends you know have constantly reminded me that and it's just really cool to just see like how far I've come when I had no idea this was going to happen but somehow was was able and ready you know so I'm, I'm excited for that. Right. I mean, when you talk about it that way, it makes me think about skateboarding as a whole. Like there, there's a, a whole chapter of skateboarders that never would have imagined being accepted to the level of being at the Olympics. Have you talked to any of the legends around the sport about sort of what it's like to see the, the sport that they've been around for so long finally get this level of acceptance? Um, I mean, I'm definitely around a lot of a lot of the legends. And I mean, and skateboarding is so rad that it's like there's not one direction you have to take like I got into skateboarding and the Olympics wasn't even in the question I didn't even think I was gonna be doing it for as long as I was gonna be doing it but just fell in love with it uh I would have to describe skateboarding as just like you know after talking with like the legends and stuff the best way I can see skateboarding is it's like a big tree it's like the root is gonna be the culture and it's gonna forever be that way um and you could branch out individually you know, as far as you want to go. Because, um, like I said, skateboarding, you could you could have just as much joy skating um, in the Tokyo, Tokyo 20, or 2020 Olympics and still have the same amount of joy just cruising down the street. Like, it's, it's for everybody and anybody who wants to do it. Mariah Duran, Olympic skateboarder with us here on Spain and Fitz. Okay, so I have to admit, I, you know, I've seen people skateboarding. I've tried it and been terrible at it, but I don't know much about competing in skateboarding. So what do I need to know? What's the best couple things for me to know when I sit down to watch you and your competitors in Tokyo about the sport? Ooh, competing is like, I mean, when you think about it, especially now, this is top 20 in the world we're talking about, and everybody had to work hard to get to the position they're in. So everybody's going to be bringing something new to the table. And I think, competing that's always been something that's amazing is that you get to see the progression and the progress of of skaters um but just know that each and every individual skater has a story and you know it wasn't easier than than the person next to them because everybody has their trial and errors because skateboarding isn't easy um but going into a contest it's all a mental game um it's a matter of having confidence and trusting your ability to skate and trusting like, hey, man, if I got to step it up in this moment right here, right now, I got to trust myself and hope that I'll be okay. So I feel like skating is just a, a crash course of, of, <laughs> of a journey because sometimes like, you know, it's all, all in, in, one, in one session. But, you know, us skaters, we're going to continue skating even after the contest and whatnot. But it's definitely, you'll definitely see a different side of skating for sure. Mariah, tell us about your partnership with Always and why it matters to you that young girls are encouraged to stay in sports. Um, I think that makes all the difference. I mean, if, you know, like, I'm just trying to change the, I'm trying to make it more of a conversation for people uh, to to see how important it is to support um, females, especially during those ages, because statistically, things, you know, not, not working. And, and if we can, we can, like, come together and make it a conversation, I feel like there would be a lot more female skateboarders or even a lot more female athletes coming into the game and bringing something new to the game. And I feel like that could only grow whatever sport they decide to grow go into. So um, I think that it's super important. And that's why I stand by it. And um, like skateboard, like it doesn't even have to be skateboarding. Any sports can teach you 
stuff that you can use in your day-to-day life. And I feel like that's super important, especially through those hard ages of, you know, like just going through life. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you need that outlet. And, and I, coming from sports, I just felt like I've definitely been able to understand myself as a person. And um, I feel like anybody and everybody can benefit from that. Totally agree. Totally agree. Fitz and I don't want anyone to go back and look at photos of us during puberty. So we understand tough time, (laughs) tough time to get through and sports helps a ton. Mariah, thank you so much. And good luck. We can't wait to watch you compete. Go crush it, Mariah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, Gosh, I, I just all the rads, all the rads feed my soul. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch her compete. And I've been trying to bring, bring back rad for years. I guess I've just been hanging out with the wrong people. I got to find my skateboarders and they'll be with me. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Coming up next, we're going to get you ready for the home run derby. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80, closing out our power hour and sending you into the home run derby tonight. Just a quick hour show flying by. Uh, Be sure to tune in for Major League Baseball's home run derby as baseball's best sluggers vie for long ball supremacy. Coverage begins right here, 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN App. Spain and Fitz brought to you by Credit Karma. Visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney. To open your free account and start winning instant karma. Credit karma, money. Progress starts here. Joining us now to talk about tonight's home run derby, the man on the call. Often on the call for Cubs games, not lately during victories, Boog Shambi. What's up, Boog? <laughs> why? Why? I don't... Why? Huh? I, 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 I mean, wish why? I could tell you, but I do want to ask you. Because misery loves so company. Crushing, misery how loves so company. crushing is it to call 11 straight losses? I, I mean, my soul is intact. It is right here, <laughs> and uh, I am presenting it to America across the airwaves. That's what I have to say to you. I have survived. I will survive. Hey, nice. hey. Um, <laughs> it's been fun. I mean, look, it's it's hard when a team loses that many games for sure, but um, I there's something special about going and having Wrigley Field be your office every day, and I I don't take it for granted. Oh, that is that's such a heartfelt and real. Like I was going to ask if you like rehearse different calls for the end of a loss, or you know. But now you've you've been so wow. like heartfelt and nice. I feel like I can't do that to you. Bro. Look, my ba- you want the? I'll give you the. This is this is true. They lost nine in a row, and it's a two-two game against the Phillies, and all of a sudden they cough up the the you know they 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 cough up three runs and they're down five-two. And now with the bases loaded in like the fifth, down 5-2 on a 3-2 count, everybody gets up to say to Cole Stewart, come on, hold him here, get him. And to me, like that says it all about that fan base. They've lost nine in a row. You're down 5-2 in the fifth. The bases are loaded, and it's 3-2. and two, And their fans are like, just keep it at a three-run deficit. Come on. So <laughs> there's a positivity that I dig. I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty unique magic boog shamba espn play-by-play commentator who will be on the derby tonight with us here on spain and fitz uh let's talk about trey mancini and this story i know that shohei is a massive draw and all eyes will be on him he will be last that the build up there for the one seed but how cool would it be to see mancini take it tonight it'd be incredible and i i mean 
for as big a deal as Otani is, you know, that that storyline with Trey Mancini, 16 months after being diagnosed with, you know, stage three colon cancer, here he is not just playing but thriving at the major league level. So, yeah, if somehow he could pull off the upset, that would be a magnificent story. Well, as Sarah just referenced, Shohei's the number one seed. He goes last. Does it change sort of the pressure or any of that as you go as you watch everybody else go first? Well, I'll tell you what. I just watched him take BP, and he hit one to the top level. I've never seen anybody come close to hitting one where he hit one. So the one thing I will guarantee you is that we're going to see the all-time record for fire this home run hit in a home run derby. Aaron Judge has it in Miami uh, in 2017, and it went 515 feet. Um, so, and 513 feet, I beg your pardon. And so you're going to see here tonight somebody break that, and it's either going to be Otani, Gallo, or Alonzo. Yeah, we actually, I was looking on social media, and he already almost left the park with one in, in, in warm-ups. So uh, I, I think Otani might be the guy tonight. We're talking to Boog Shambi here on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You know, a lot of conversation today about Shohei Otani using a translator and is it good for the game to have a foreign-born player be the face, be the biggest story? You've been covering the game for so long, Boog. There's a lot of context behind that conversation. I think maybe a lot of people aren't privy to, um, including players feeling like maybe they aren't properly saying what they want to say if they don't use an interpreter, if they are still learning, and also the difficulty of being a part of a team when you aren't completely fluent yet. And and to still excel the way he has is impressive. And I also just think globally um, that's such a small part of the effect that he can have on this game. So I have a couple of thoughts. I think the first thing is it underlines how, in my opinion, how unfairly I think a lot of the Latin players get treated because mm-hmm. certainly there have been plenty of them that don't speak good enough English who haven't been afforded the luxury of a translator. Why one language given a translator and not another? Look, and I get it. Ichiro spoke more than good enough English, but his thing was always this. I want what I'm saying to be put out there exactly as I mm-hmm. intended. I mean, it, look, I, I am a believer that... Um, I think the media does a good job. I do think that at times stuff can get taken out of context in the search of creating a narrative. So to that extent, I understand what Ichiro Suzuki, you know, feels or fears in that regard. And I don't blame Otani. He wants to be clear with what he's saying. And so he uses an interpreter who, by the way, his interpreter, Ipe Mitsuhara, is also going to be catching which is kind of fun. That's awesome. Boo, can He'll you be catching to, while he's hitting. Yeah. Can, can you grow to be the sort of identity of baseball for America if you need a translator? Yes. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. If he goes out tom- t- tomorrow night and, stri- and just for fun, if he leads off the game with a homer and then strikes out six guys – you guys are going to be talking about it, and you're not going to be talking about the All-Star game otherwise. So, yeah, yeah. he can. 100% he can. If he goes out and strikes out six in homers on the first offering of the game, they're going to talk about it on SportsCenter, and they don't talk about baseball on SportsCenter. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and they can. 
Yes. Book Shambi's with us here on Spain and Fitz. One of the toughest parts about baseball in general, regardless of the face of it, is that it's so regional. You watch enough of your own team's games, and you're probably not yes. catching 162. So That's to right. get into a player from another team, uh, what's been tough is with, with Mike Trout being there as well. They're just never good enough to get to watch them when everybody shuts down their own team and starts focusing on just the ones left. And so that's going to be a we'll big We'll do it to- this way. Let me, just say, let me just say this really quickly. If, if you weren't talking about Shohei Otani, who is the next guy that has captured people this season? It's Tatis, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have yeah. anything to do with, he, with what he says. Nope. It has nothing to do with what he said. And he speaks English fine. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really it, not about end, that in baseball. It, it, it's not. Yeah. I mean, I do think, I, I, I think it can enhance. Like, I will, I will concede that I think Mike Trout not being a guy that wants the spotlight and, and the microphones in front of him probably is, um, is probably not something that is awesome for the, you know, the fact that the best player in the game, but... The counter to that is, I mean, Derek Jeter was as boring as it got, mm-hmm. and his play did all the talking for. I mean, Derek Jeter, I'm, you know, he still hasn't said something interesting. Like, his play we're still and, his, for it. and his gift bags, right? I think were the things well, that worked the hardest on his behalf. Right. <laughs> uh, Boog, we're really looking forward to the call tonight, and we appreciate the positivity every single day in and out, regardless of the outcome out at Wrigley. Uh, thanks for the time. You're the best, man. Thanks Bye. For See you guys. Book Shambi <laughs> with us here calling the Derby coming up right after us here. Hey, quick, Fitz, we didn't get to this in the last segment when we did quickies, and I wanted to quickly mention it. Now we're speaking about talking. Paige Becker's XP speech, if you guys have not seen it, this girl is still a girl. She is so young, and she so perfectly articulated a lot of what the WNBA is going through while she's not even in that league yet. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it, right, Fitz? Brilliant stuff from her, by the way, and another example of her using her platform for incredible things. The kids might save us all. We're depending <laughs> on you, next generation. Facts. MLB Home Run Derby with Shuby and uh, Shambi and Chris Singleton coming up next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz. Shuby. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.